All right. Welcome back to Defy the Norm podcast. I'm so excited to have Victor back in the recording studio, our truck. (laughs) (laughs) So great. Okay, so we had another uh, light bulb moment in our relationship, epiphany um, moment, I guess. Yesterday was Jariah, our fourth child. It was his 14th birthday. And one of my many struggles that I've been sharing, you know, I've been sharing my emotional struggle with letting go, even though my daughters are still here with us in Lander. It's just like, we just don't do everything together anymore. And so it's, was, it's been emotionally hard, but I feel like I'm like, kind of like through that, that dark night of the soul of letting go and seeing that there is uh, growth. And I can talk about that later. We're going to talk about Victor instead today. But yesterday, one of the big things that I struggle with is making all the decisions. Victor does not like to make decisions. Not only even on that, he wouldn't necessarily make decisions because he doesn't have this like rapidly firing third eye that sees like all these things. Like for my, in my brain, I see all these things that I want to have and all these versions. And I feel like, oh, I can totally do this, this, and this. And, and when I usually talk to Victor about it, he's kind of like, um, yeah, I, I just don't think like that. I'm just like one one track, right? One track, one at a time, systematic, uh, pragmatic, and practical about my the decisions. And the pace that I'm going to make those decisions is going to be at the pace that I want to make those decisions. So by default, I generally get to a point where I listen. All right, well, tell me the options. Okay, let me think about that. And that's already time to make the decision. And um and I've already, I usually she's already just really get made it. Then. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with whatever. But sometimes he's not cool about it because after the fact, like if say down the road, some, something, um, I don't know, something goes wrong. He's tired, you know, whatever. We end up with a flat tire and it's like, well, it's because you didn't change the tires. And I'm like, I asked you, do we need to? And so that's a total side note. Um, the important part is that yesterday is that I've been struggling with making some major life decisions, again, based on the fact that I'm like, okay, the girls really like it in here in Lander. They want a home base. I don't know if I want to be here as much as they want to be here. I also, you know, we just got this new truck in and we got it because we're like, all right, we can tow our monster fifth wheel wherever we want to go. But the thing is, is the places I want to go, I can't take the fifth wheel to. I want to go a little bit more off grid back into yeah, you're kind of you're kind of tied with this size of rig. You're tied from one tra- one large RV park to another large RV park. And the nice thing with our Class C when we traveled, it craw- can crawl just about anywhere in those off grid spots. The challenge that I face is that um, five to six days a week, I need strong Wi Fi to work work with my clients. And so by default, we tend to want to be in those large RV parks as well. That's a bit of a challenge. So. Yeah, and so I go. I was trying to figure out, okay, how do you, so these are, this might help you key in on this part, because this is what I try to teach, teach Victor so that he can help me make decisions because it's really important for a healthy marriage to be on the same page. Like we don't have to agree about everything. We come from our own individual, um, you know, goals, desires, identity, all beliefs, all those, but we need to have some form of common vision to like 
Where do we want to wake up? How do we want to interact? Do we want to cross paths for an hour a day? Do we want to cross paths eight hours a day? All of those factors. And so I always start by like, what do you want this year to look like? And for me, I can like go into a lot of detail. I write plans and, and then I'll body compass it. So right now we need to pack up that house and pulse it. And I'm like, okay, do I want to go explore through Helena and go to the east side of Glacier? Cause there's this hike I really want to do. And it's like almost Danny's birthday. And even though he's going to be 23, I know he loves water parks and um, that would be something really fun. And he, I, I know it would make him smile. And so I thought, okay, well that there's a really cool one over in Sandpoint, Idaho. And okay, well, Victor loves to climb at Post Falls. We could go there. And I've been really wanting to climb in, uh, or no, sorry, mountain bike in Galena in Idaho. I don't know why, but I have my head wrapped around this thing. And so then I start body compassing. That's not even the whole year. That's just the next month. And I start thinking like, okay, well, I can't, I mean, I guess I could take this rig and just keep it on the 90 and then we can do side trips. I'm like, that's not fun. So one, I was like, we need a different trailer. And I go, oh, we can't take Momo or Class C necessarily because it's, it's like on its last leg and we have this new truck. I want to drive my new truck. It's comfortable and it's a great recording studio. And then, so we, I, I asked the girls, okay, what do you want to do there? And um, like, do you want to switch to Momo? Do you want to switch to a trailer? So basically the sum total is that, and we have no mountain bikes, but we need to go mountain biking because it's one thing Victor and I can do together that, um, and Jariah likes to do it. And we're kind of getting, we love to rock climb, but we're kind of, there's a point where you're just like, I don't want to rock climb every day of my life. I would like to do other sports. So the big thing was yesterday for Jariah's birthday, I've been struggling, staying up at night, worrying, wondering, trying to make these decisions. And it's made me very grumpy because I feel like I'm making these decisions all on my own. Something must have shifted in the stars yesterday because I woke up yesterday morning and I'm like, that's it. We're just going to go buy mountain bikes. Um, we're going to just get low end ones that get us on the trail with with whatever, I mean, it's not comfort. We should, we would, we would have to spend three times the amount for comfort, but it didn't matter. Like we're pulling the trigger on that and I'm pulling the trigger on buying a, another RV. Um, so it was kind of like this minimum effective dose to achieve a desired feeling in my day. That's how I always make decisions. Now, my problem with that is I should stop making minimum effective dose and I should go for maybe midter, mid or maybe eventually maximum. I mean, I would like to, I kind of did it with the truck, but I think I was forced to. I have a hang up that I should aim for a larger expense. I make the expenditure, but I don't go for the biggest ones. And I am hoping that when I record this podcast by next year, I can finally just be like, Money is an illusion. Just spend what you want to accomplish the goal and move on. I spend the bare minimum to accomplish the goal and I'm working on it. So Victor's going to tell me, that was a long intro, I know. Victor's going to share with us a little bit of a different um, perspective. perspective. Well, I was going to say what you learned from, so we get these mountain bikes and Victor's reading the Zaheer. It's my favorite book. And he's rereading it because the first time he read it, he absolutely hated it. I don't think he finished it, right? Well, there's there's quite a few books that are on that list of like, okay, I, I hate a roadblock because blank and blank. There's there are some challenges that I face with with the books. So there's something that might turn me off or and particularly the mood that you're in or like, I'm not ready to hear this, right? That's basic. That's the simplest way. Ready to hear okay, this. In the, the book, in the Zaheer, the wife, dis, uh, it's a Paulo Coelho book. Um, he, that's who wrote The Alchemist, which probably you're familiar with. Um, 
the big thing, the reason he has that roadblock, so the wife is missing at the beginning of the book, and he goes back and tells stories about, like, trying to figure out, like, why, did like, did she leave me? Is it, like, did she get kidnapped? What happened? But in telling the stories, they had this marriage or relationship where infidelity was acceptable. And so they'd have, they were still married, but they'd have all these side flings. And because of that part, you're like, heck no, I'm not reading this book. Right? Basically. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's a problem. So, and Victor, Whatever lesson I'm going to learn, I don't know if I could overlook that. <laughs> and I am not cheating on my husband, okay? The whole point, that, the point of that book is what we're going to talk about today. And it's about what, what happiness really is. And these rules or this illusion of society that we get trapped in um, is really the root cause of why people end up creating, uh, having infidelity or mm. um, addiction problems. It's not, yeah. and so it's hard, for, like to me, I see it as because of that illusion of living life in this um, matrix or in this um, society's norms, people end up becoming, well, um, or abusers of lots of different things, substances, sex, um, uh, fear, you can abuse your addiction to fear, Um and so because of that, that's why I love this book so much. It has nothing to do with the fact that they, it's, it's that the reason they go and find other people, which I am not insinuating that no, I want no, no, to no. do, yeah, yeah. Is, is because of this trap that we're in. So tell us about how, because today you read it and you're like, oh, I think I get a little bit more of what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so if where do I start? This is the, this is when Robin said, okay, let's go. We need to record this journey. Okay. Okay. Well, like what happened? Let's talk about the mountain biking and experience first yesterday. Oh, good. That's a good place to start. So I, uh, sort of realized, you know, I've been sort of in this health and wellness in, in the health and wellness industry since I was essentially 19. And when I found it, um, and started working out and actually working out in general, uh, I, I realized that there was some connection to what my physical power prowess or exercise and it's certainly great for me and it's great for everyone to have this level of health and wealth health and wellness however um i robin alluded to it like we went and did this really intermediate trail as our first ride on these new bikes i really should have been beaming uh with what she i'm not a big woohoo guy anyway but but I really should have been like stoked. I'm with Jariah. Jariah is phenomenal at just about everything he does these days. So um, just being able to s s sort of stay with him and enjoy myself should have been an exciting point. But instead, I had this feeling like, man, I suck. I'm a piece of crap right now. My conditioning is a little bit. My conditioning is a little bit low. I don't like. Um, I, I handled the bike fairly well, but uh, I didn't like that I was sucking wind, and I. After talking to Robin, I realized that I was wrapping up the relationship I have with exercise and fitness and wellness. It's wrapped up with a lot of uh, self-worth. And, and what I mean by that is that uh, I, if, I'm, if I crush something, if I crush a workout or I crush this mountain bike trail and do really, really well then technically I'm more worthy. And 
that's really ridiculous because I should have been like, man, I'm out here. I rode an intermediate ride, brand new bikes. Everyone is stoked. We all stayed together. I mean, it's beautiful. We probably passed three or four other bikers. Um, I'm in this beautiful location. We have some beautiful, smooth flowing parts. There were some technical parts. Why do I not let myself feel into that? And it's ultimately... There's that first, ultimately, guys, you guys keep tally. Robin always tells me I use that word too much. Uh, ultimately, I had created a bad relationship with my body and exercise that kind of hit me square in the eye, between the eyebrows yesterday. Like, oh, yeah. And then it had me reflecting on like, well, what, what am I doing by my workout? Am I, oh, I'm more worthy because I am jacked, strong, whatever. In the end, exercise should be facilitating um, a, a general feeling of empowering you to live your life the most amazing way. And I know that for sure it has allowed me to do that, but there's some part of me that was tied up into, and you get into this when you do enough resistance training, you start knowing your numbers. And I think that's sometimes the worst part of it is that you're like, you walk in and I'm like, okay, I, no judgment. I lift whatever I want, but I just did 225 for, for eight and I normally can do 10. I'm a piece of crap. <laughs> so I think that was an amazing summary. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to tell it from like the story side because I think it's so relatable and I, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess maybe it's because I just spend so much time. I've been very lucky to spend so much time reflecting on these things. I think about how, you know, I spent a lot of time with my kids when they were babies, just like laying on the floor with them. A lot of time when they were grade school age, just sitting at the park, sitting at the beach. I don't know. I have so much reflective time because I'm surprised that that's the version of the story. But I, I, to me, I always go like, why can I see this, this happening or unraveling in such a different way? And one of the big things Victor and I fight about, this is, this is really why I was so upset all week was because my girls are fun. They're, and, and they're like, they want to go have fun and they are, Fun in the sense of like, free, like, like, let's just experience. We've done so many experiences together. And I shouldn't say just my girls because the boys are too, Tati is too. We've done so many experiences together for the sake of experiencing them as opposed to achieving something. Or, you know, it's not like we have, my kids aren't in competitive sports anymore, but I, I know it. I know that that's the antithesis of it. That's what Victor's up against right now. So my thing to Victor is always like, man, if the girls are going to climb, like, all right, well, I'm stuck climbing with you. Like you gotta be fun. And it's this ongoing thing of like, it's not fun to go do anything with you. And then on, if I went a step further now, again, I'm only saying that obviously I love my husband. I'm only saying this because I think there's so many people who can relate to this. I know I work with you guys. So you go to, um, even if, even if you went to do these sports and were like non-attached to the result of this, this expectation you're putting on yourself, the whole point of, it's like the whole point of life is to go do these sports in a way, because I always tell Victor like, all right, so you have this business goal and you want to make X amount of money. And so why do we use this money anyways? Like, why do we, why do we 
kill ourselves, stress ourselves out over our jobs? Well, it's because money fuels these other things in our job, right? It's, I, I do recognize there's a part of it, like you have to basic needs, safety and security, but there's even safety and security is an illusion. And there's this point after that, that it's like, all right, we filled up this tank. Like you have shelter, you have food, you have, I don't know, whatever people buy insurance plans for safety and security, whatever that stuff is. Then you go experience life. So to me, I always think of like, well, money should be a, a way of fueling the feeling you want to get out of life. That's why I spend so much time debating which RV do I want because I know what I go to experience in a day. If today I'm going to go climb and yesterday I went rock um, mountain, biking. mountain biking and you know in a couple of days we'll be hiking in um, Custer Gallatin Forest. If that to me is the meaning of is the point of life is to experience life and experience newness and feel this deep sense of oneness with myself and then to be able to show up and help other people experience that too, well then why, like, then we should show up in this, if that is, like, to go experience things, we should show up in these experiences with a ton of joy and appreciation. If we show up to these experiences for external validation, or even if it's internal validation, if it's like, I, I'm a better mountain biker than, I don't know, somebody else, it, like, who passes me, well, then I'm going to constantly look at myself in judgment. And like, and I feel like that is the, the point of all of it is that if we're constantly looking for to compare ourselves to somebody else or to compare ourselves to what we benched the last time, then we're going, there's no way that we're ever going to fill that tank enough. There's always going to be someone better than you. You're always going to have off days. And if you let the external dictate your internal state of being, you're yeah. always going to be angry. And I remember like initially, right when I got on the trip. So, so to begin with, we're going up for this bike ride, which is to me, I was, I thought it was amazing that we, it was just Victor, me and Jariah. And I thought, wow, what a cool thing to provide for this kid. He never just gets his parents to himself. Good point. And Victor was already kind of like, he's really quiet. Now I recognize that to me, like my ego wants to be like, oh my gosh, you're already not fun. <laughs> but I know that he, he really, um, He's a hunter at his core. And so he cannot take in one. He can't not take in his surroundings in the sense of like for his brain is wired to constantly be on the defense and on alert. And so I even notice it's a drive that we've driven many times, but I noticed that he's so he's just in a be prepared mode. And so I kind of tried to soften that. Remember, I was like, you know, relax. What like what's yeah, wrong? I think it had to do with be putting the bikes off over the tailgate for the very first time. I was like, I just put our brand new bikes. I want, I, I'm worried. That I want to make sure they don't fall out. I want to make sure they're safe back there. To make sure they don't stretch our new truck out. And I think really it doesn't matter what it is. I notice your brain is always addicted to some worry. It just finds a worry to sure. worry about. And so a lot of times, just stop worrying. So here we're already up at the top of the trip the trailhead and I was already like okay why, why is it like why is why Victor is so tense then we start riding and I um my thing is like I'm not really good at anything but I'm I'm kind of good at everything I, I can go do whatever you take me on I'm gonna be I can do it I'm never like push myself to be great and 
I was just really happy and I could already tell they were faster than me. So I'm like, yeah, let them go, let them go. And it's a hard, it's a really hard mountain biking trail at the, the first, first like mile, three miles yeah. or so. And you're, <laughs> to me, I'm just like, I don't want to get hurt. I just want to enjoy the experience. So I'm slow. And when we stopped the first time and they stopped to wait for me, I'm like, you're already mad. What's I'm like, what's going on? Nothing. I'm fine. You don't like your bike? No. Doesn't really talk. I'm like, okay, okay. So then we ride again, and then I know when the music comes out. That that's Victor's. Like, if he's pissed, it's like Metallica's got to come out, and so he's got the music going. I'm like, all right, okay. Well, what's wrong? Nothing. Why aren't you having? Do you like this? Do you really say anything? And so the whole time, then I start riding. Besides, like, oh, da da da. I'm kind of like head in the clouds. Like, this is so fun. And also, I really love mountain biking because it puts you in flow state where you can't focus on any on anything other than six just, inches yeah. in front of your tire, few feet coming ahead. And um, I don't know. I was kind of surprised that, that there wasn't just a point where it's like, wow, it, the trail did get better, especially on the back, on the way back when it was more downhill. I thought, man, surprised you didn't say like, God, oh, this is so fun. I just like, cause to me, I was feeling that like, man, this is just amazing. I'm so happy. I had this vision for just getting over my money, scarcity issues, and just buying these bikes. And we did it. We're here. We're on the bikes. It's great. I love it. And I kept thinking like, well, maybe he just doesn't like his bike. He got a little cheaper version than mine, um, which I felt bad. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's okay. Gabby can have this bike. We'll just go back. We'll buy him the bike that he wants. It's not a big deal. I'm like trying to work out in my head, solve the problem. Like to me, the, the goal should be be happy on the trail. So if he's not happy on the trail, I mean, the goal should be even beyond happy on the trail because I know Victor wants nothing more in life than, than for me to be happy with him. So that, right? Yeah. Basically. And so I go, okay, what can we do to solve this problem? I included him. He's not happy. I don't understand. So it ended up being kind of silence on the way back from the trail. We sit down with our beer after I'm like, what the heck? Like, what do we need to do to solve this problem? Because I just don't understand, like, how you weren't joyous. And he's like, fucking more joyous. Why do you want me to be joyous, right? Yeah. It's a workout. I'm like, no, no, no. It's not a workout. Like, you can go work out by yourself. Did you guys know, real quick, that our path to growth is all a function as a relationship? Because you can do your numerology for your for marriage. Relationships, yeah. And our actually our relationship numerology is the exact same as Victor's one, which I think is kind of cool because for him, he only has to, he, he only has to navigate that one thing yeah. and then it works. It, if he can figure it out for himself, he can figure it out for our relationship, but it's discipline and freedom. Our, our growth as a couple is expression and sensitivity, being able to communicate cooperation and balance, and then you get discipline and freedom. And it's really comes down to breaking away from the codependency that brought us together in the first place to independence with common vision, common commonality. Um, Collaboration. There's there's, in, in Dan Millman's book, he does a really good description um, for each of the numerologies you have these five laws and within those five laws he has like really good journal examples and my favorite one is like for a 32 five one of the easy ones is to think that you're standing at a doorway and you just see this this light um uh that's something you want way out i forget if he says it as a lighthouse or the point is is like right now you're kind of like 
in this in this doorway where it's hard to see a vision of what you want way out in the way out there in the future or he describes it across this like muddy swamp and so one is you have to have so much vision of that whatever that thing is on the other side of the swamp that you're willing to be disciplined and consistent at walking through that swamp and that that's kind of where well, like if we go to mountain biking, we're looking at it like, oh, well, mountain biking's about um, having fun and like laughing and like enjoying and talking a little bit about the experience. And and one say like, no, 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 it's about a workout. We need to be the best out here on the trail. We're not going to be able to, to do that very well. But we want to bring it back to this here. So do you want to add anything about that story yesterday? No, no, no. I think it was it was tremendous insight, and it, it, there's no coincidences in in the universe, and so it happened to be right right alongside that. Um, you know, part of the reason we reread that this is a little side note is little cheat cheat is that put you and your wife on the same book club. It gives you some some stuff to talk to talk about that gives you the ability to reconnect, especially if you you have a tendency to feel like ah, where you guys are running slightly different paths. Put yourself, put your guys self. Put yourself on a book club and then compare notes and, and talk about it. And so and then I happened to get to a part where I was like, oh, yeah. It was it essentially um, Esther, the main character, is talking to Paolo uh, about uh, about happiness and what that is. And, and uh, you know, she's questioning everything in, in life. And I, I realized, like, God dang it, I'm just still doing that thing where I'm constantly just substituting and worrying about something. And so I'm quite aware of the challenges that I, that I face, um, with my programming. You know, I, have, I grew up with scarcity problems, uh, and, and that embedded me with always worrying about money, uh, to the point that I was always trying to like, it was never enough. And so I, I got that one, you know, when we first got back to Coronado and I started working one-on-one -on -one personal training, I was like, Robin would say, okay, when you have, I, I get it. You want some savings. <coughs> How much before we, you can have fun. And I would, I would say blank amount. And then, okay, great. <coughs> and when we get to there, she's like, okay, so you're ready to go have fun. And I go, well, no, let's go to blank amount. And I do just keep running, increasing the ante. <coughs> oh man, so Sorry, sorry. I would just in keep increasing it to the point that I, I realized till it hit me one day. I'm like, wait a second. I, oh, I, okay, so scarcity. Uh, yeah, it's never going to be enough. Check. Uh, and then yesterday I would check that it. happened. That's what I brought the attention to is because so you, when you want to work towards like self-fulfillment and this like vision for what you want in your future, you have, you have two ways to do it. The easiest way is plan out a perfect day. And in a way, yesterday was going to be our, was a perfect day because Victor had explained, and when you say your perfect day, it's everything. It's like, where do you know, what do you drink your coffee out of? What type of coffee? Where do you, where are you waking up? Like what, what does your bed look like? Your house look like your RV look like what truck do you get into or car do you get into? What do you do? Every detail of how you move through your day. If you were going to make it perfect, what would that look like? Right. Or the other way is to go, if money wasn't an object, what would you do? Buy, sell, see, whatever. But I, I do that. I ask you that question all the time. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And so one of the things is like, I looked back at like six months ago 
when he when I'd ask that, he'd say, "Oh well, we'd be um, we'd be traveling again. We would have a new truck, so I didn't worry. We'd have new mountain bikes." And I was like, "We are literally living what you said your perfect day is, and you're not happy today." Right? Yeah, and so that's the that's what hit me again, right? So I've had these moments, and this is part of the reason I think Robin has us hop on these podcasts, so that with all transparency, you could be like, "Hey." oh, wait, I might be doing the same thing this guy's doing. You know, I've had these moments where we've lived this lifestyle and it has created more challenge and growth than many times my body can tolerate. And I wouldn't change anything at all. And I'm going to figure it out. That's sort of one of my things is persistence. I'm going to figure it out. I keep trying to get better, even if it's a percent a day. Um, or a percent a year, whatever that is. Um, but I've had these moments where like, wait, I just did the same thing. Gosh, darn it. And last yesterday was one of those same things. I'm like, wait a second, I'm just going to up the ante again. Oh, and I realized after reading that chapter and doing that and having that talk with Robin, I'm like, man, I just, I need to be happy in these, find what is truly happy, happy and thriving in the moment because the universe seems to keep saying, okay, I got you. I'm going to provide you that. And it's going to be like, okay, now you said that was going to be happy, make you happy. Okay, here it is. There's that next thing. And you go, wait a second. Why am I consistently beating myself up? And when now in my past, I can look back and, and the way my cognitive function is, it's always working on a, on the past. Okay. Yeah. I don't know this. I know this route. Boom. I'm going to be able to do it. But because of that, um, I, I don't have a tendency to do something new with the, quite the zeal. I'm like, well, I have no experience, so I'm going to just experience. Now that's in my past, boom, now I can do it. But now I really literally have four or five times in large sections of time in my life where I've done this same thing and I go, oh, I did it again. All right, I got to learn these lessons faster. Um, and I try to catch myself and it really comes down to a programming dilemma of that slight addiction to stress, that slight addiction. And then in the inability to react in that moment, um, with loving compassion for myself, right? Cause I, I have a tendency to, so to say, uh, you're man, you're a piece of garbage today. You're still doing that thing. You're a piece of garbage. I'm like, man, why am I holding? Why do I? Why am I beating myself up so much instead of just being like, okay, you know what? I did that thing. Moving on. And that's a unique challenge. So it, it, I think about how much time I've lost because of that. Um, I'm going to try to tell it in story form too. So w- one of the things in, we have this great coaching. Gabby and I do this great coaching membership group called Be the Hero. And to try to help you be the hero of your own life. Cause like what Victor's talking about, right? And he wants to be the hero. And for me to not have let my emotions run, you know, run wild or draw me into extremes is part of my being the hero. And so this is, this is, I think what a lot of people are going through. So I'm going to try telling this story, Victor, and you tell me, you can correct it if I don't tell it correctly. <laughs> so Victor was born with a very, quiet sensitive soul to begin with he was he really was he's not don't tell anyone (laughs) and he was born though to parents who were very cautious in fact they would always say be careful be careful be careful and they joke because victor one of his first words was 
Well, my words were, I me caigo. Which is, I might fall. I might fall. <laughs> I might fall. I might fall. So he started off life. And that, that was when you were like in at one, right? Yeah. One, two, maybe one. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's when they tell the stories. I they tell that story. That's that. what Victor <laughs> would always say. I might fall. I might fall. So he was already cautious. And then he had parents who were like also telling him. They were like, uh, side note, it wasn't like someone like my dad who would totally put us in the water. Like, well, he didn't have to do it to me, but he would do it to my sister and my brother because um, he would put them in the water and like hold their life jacket and just be like, relax, relax. You're not getting out till you relax. Like you he did it in not in what everybody would absolutely despise an authoritative manner. For me, it worked because I was like real quick, like, all right, I'll relax. Oh yeah, I relax. Cool. I'm good. But but if Victor didn't have that, he didn't have a parent or like my kids, they end up, um, I think the reason Jariah is like naturally so good at things is because he just gets so many experiences to try and allowed to fail. And she's, that's a whole nother, we can do a story about what we were talking about, about sports and the inability to, to allow kids to fail. But so here's Victor, this, this, this little soul, this is, this is what keeps us together is because I can see this the sole version of him and what he's trying to accomplish and what he's capable of accomplishing. And so I do know that we are on the right path together. But then he gets to be about five years old and he's already a little scared, already like not being nurtured to overcome that fear. In fact, it's just cementing on a belief system that life is scary, you should be scared. And now he gets, um, he starts getting abused by... A it's, family member a slash. Older than that, but yeah. Okay, a little older than five, eight, seven. I think eight, yeah. Okay, being abused by a family member slash babysitter, and was it a couple of years before people found out? Yeah, it's hard so to remember. It doesn't matter. Blocks on the damn thing. I, exactly, <laughs> and so it's. Now, now, if you're already worried, you're already not trusting your capability. Now you can't trust people to protect you. Like the parents didn't know for a long time and you end up in a situation where like now all trust is gone and now you're really cementing in another layer of fear and cementing is the important visualization for you. If you're listening to think like what things have been cemented on my original soul that have disconnected me from who I am and why I'm here to begin with. And so then, then you eventually it comes out and stuff, but one of two things happened, and I don't know which is the clarity, but probably a little bit of both. One is it kind of just got brushed under the rug. Oh, this thing happened. We got rid of this babysitter. Don't worry about it. Da da da. Or and two, Victor didn't express his pain and get healing from it at the time. Did they maybe come in and say, "Hey, do you want to talk about it?" And he was so angry and mad at them that he's like, "No," because I know. I did that with my parents being divorced. I used to go to, they used to send me to therapy and I would sit there and not say a word for an entire hour. I was the most stubborn child. I'm like, they hated that. They're like, oh, we're trying to help you. And I was just like, I'm not talking to you because in the end, I wanted my parents to talk to me about it. I didn't want to talk to, to a counselor. I wanted my parents to show up and be like, like, what are you feeling? I'm and like, apologize. Actually, I wanted them probably to say, I'm sorry for about a thousand times and then I probably would have softened. But then for like in that case to to make it so that this is why I can relate to probably how Victor or you feel, it's like 
then that was just one hurt. Then you have all these other hurts that, that they do and, and, and that cements more. And so in addition to that, Victor probably had hurts of like not feeling, um, seen in, in school or not, you know, school was a little bit harder for him. So he felt like he didn't get the support from his parents to help him through that. And so there was this lack of support and constantly feeling like life is hard. I can't trust people until he discovered weight training. So he was in sixth grade. He got his first weight set. And all of a sudden he's like, oh my gosh, I literally feel strong. I benched 45, now 55, now 65, now 225. So literally a trigger happened for him from probably sixth to eighth grade where he's like, I feel unworthy. I'm like, feel this shame because all these things have happened to me. I'm naturally scared. And now all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I am embodying strength. I was this weak kid and now I physically have strength. So of course, from that moment on, anytime his physical body feels strength, it's like it gets his head above water, right? So right. far, that's a good... No, yeah, that's okay. a good, yeah. And the problem is, is that we're at this part where your kid, like we, everybody as, as adults, human beings, are carrying just that simple imprint into all these other areas of life. And while I totally agree, I go, Victor, yeah, you absolutely should feel strong, but there's more to strength than just the physical reality. And plus, you're, if you're always looking, the, the goal, <clears throat> the goal is to be strong spiritually, like in your soul, just to know like you're strong because you are a kind person who came. If we, if we chiseled away all that concrete and went back to the original kid who was come, came to earth, the soul, it's like, well, he's a really kind soul. And that's why he so many people work with him is because he really does have this amazing ability to be non-judging and display kindness. Now, where I always, where I end up being the nagging wife is I go like, look, be that kind person, but also set goals for yourself. Don't think that you're so unimportant in the world that you sell yourself short and don't have any vision for enjoying your own life because you're so dependent on being kind in order for people to pay you money. Yes? Correct. And he's not alone. I mean, I know because I can internally see myself struggle with um, not the exact same thing, but from from my soul is supposed to be here and guide people and lead people. And I try to step into that, but then I end up feeling like, oh, well, I'm going to run that program where everybody tells me I'm too assertive and that I'm you know, misunderstood and that I'm like, you're not allowed to be a strong, authoritative woman these days or whatever the thing is that keeps me from using my voice to in the way that my soul was supposed to be here. So he ends up taking, carrying, you, you know, everybody ends up carrying, you get concrete cement over all of your soul's tendencies. And then you end up with hurts, pains, traumas, that put on other layers and then you end up with these failures that society doesn't allow for that adds on more and so then you of course you get to be 47 years old and you're disconnected and you're like well the only way i know how to how to escape is to try to prove myself it's not even like i don't even think it's a conscious that he's like to try to prove himself i think it's just it's a it's an automatic response as opposed to a conscious drive do you want to add to that or no, yeah, I, and I think what it does is, it, the only thing I would add is that it sheds, 
it shed light. Again, this is we do in these podcasts. Are you connecting your dots? Take a moment to go. Yeah, this this is what it is because you know we can get on these rants and share these individual stories. But let you know what is what is the solution? And some part of it is you know I can wake up and go. I'm still dealing with my programming. And you can be like I said, be hard on yourself. First off, the first step is how how can you help yourself if you're going through this? Um, first, identification is probably the the biggest thing. Right. And so that's the only the only reason I would share this story, because, again, I'm kind of a private, quiet person. I prefer not to. Um, but <clears throat> I know that in general, for some reason, <clears throat> I've been given this appro- <clears throat> approach, approachability, excuse me, approachability. So that can hopefully go, oh, yeah, you know, he has I have that. And so if you're identifying that, what can they do on a first level? To start rebuilding that or start to deprogram that, Robin. Why? Why, 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 why? That's what is a start to figure out. Because programming, you know, can be a mix of your Enneagram and... And your um, trauma. Trauma. But really, if you just asked yourself, if you would go through your day and journal and just go, why? Why do I do that? Why? Do I, like, if... Question everything. Everything. Why? Why am I... Why do, like, if you had gone and said, why am I not happy driving up right now? Why am I, why am I quiet? Why am I, um, you know, already, why am I winded? How about that? That, cause that's a whole separate one is I know, I know why you're winded. Of course I know why you're winded. I mean, Rob, Victor's like, you like, you know, you think, you know, everything about everything, even the things you don't do. But I'm like, it's not that I, it's just an intu- intuitive observation is that you're, you've even said it, you're winded. Because, literally because of the emotions that you're carrying around. Mm, take up space. Right? Remember when I said about yeah, training so, and so you said. One of, the biggest, one of the biggest things you do as a coach and coaching from an exercise standpoint is I'm evaluating data, what I call load. Now, load would be the, the weight that's on the bar, but it's also um, this, this sort of figurative load that the human body is carrying from their life. So let me unpack that. What that means is I'm evaluating. This is the reason those question on questionnaires like what's your life like? What are your relations like? What's your stress like? What's your GI stress like? Um, GI distress. Do you have any bloating? Do you have any blood sugar management issues? All of these things give us an idea as coaches as to how much stress load is already on the body going into the workout. And when you can identify that or have a very good idea about that, you can provide a workout or an exercise or a what we'll call just movement program that's appropriate for that person. So if someone is extremely high stress, not sleeping well, well, let's go, you know, do sprint repeats. Let's do high intensity interval. Like, of course, their sleep's going to get worse. Of course, they're probably not going to even lose weight about it. Or worse, if they do lose weight and start getting results, they're likely to have that adrenal burnout. They're bur- they're already fried, and, and so the same thing. I, I sort of know uh, off the top of my head is like, oh, because your perception when you're in it, you don't see it. A co- it. That's why people see us as coaches because you can see the problem before. Oh, you're going to have this problem. Okay, this is what we're going to work on. Well, I don't really have. A, yeah, you, trust me. Thirty years, I know where we're going. This is where we're going. But when you don't, when you don't see it in yourself, sometimes you're like, oh. Yeah, that's that's why I'm carrying a little too much load, especially with with um, you're just sort of <laughs> you're like at, we're at this point at you know we're right next to the Fourth of July and we're like all right, 
we're back at this lifestyle. We're making some of these choices. Like, uh, okay, um, uh, it's like we're feeling, I'm feeling things out in this other life and going, okay, can, can I truly embrace this? But, but I want to have one toe over here just in case. Yeah, well, <clears throat> for Victor's case, it's... Well, everyone has a fear fear program going. But for Victor's, it's this this constant fear. It, it's not even fear of money, for, not even fear of security, not even fear of um, approval or rejection. It's just a constant addiction to fear. Mm. <clears throat> and so... If you went to, so he, so he's winded on the bike because he's always holding on to some fear, like some defense, ready ready to doesn't he can't just like fully breathe in and let go. He can tune out. He's really really good at like just tuning the world out and like whatever, just watch a movie, scroll, like do like disconnect. But to have a connectedness and not be a calm connectedness is really what I would say like would be his mantra for the week. It's like, how can I be connected to the people and my environment in a state of calm and even trust? Um, because he's, he's just worried. He's always worried about money, worried about the kids, worried about something. And so if you're always worried, try, try thinking about a worry and try breathing. And it's, he's right. He's, it's ironic because he's, that's what he coaches everybody on is like learning to soften, breathe, let go, stop doing shoulder breath. But probably for him, he's probably like not, he's not tense in his shoulders, but probably tense in your chest, right? Maybe a little bit when you breathe, when you're on the bike, you, right? Yeah. Okay. You feel sure. like, no. Okay. Well, I'm in my shoulders. Okay. That's why I stay married to Victor because mine's all on my shoulders and he rubs my shoulders <laughs> just for the massage alone. Okay. Anyways, so they, so what the person listening can do is write down the fear. Like why, why, why do I feel like this right now? What is the fear driven? What am I really afraid of? And in the end, the only way to break through, if, if you're always worried about say not being enough, fear of rejection then that don't you have to fill your own tank of being enough and fill your own tank of approval and I, I you know I for me like I have to come back to like I I am enough who I am but I can't just tell myself that the reason right. I can embody it or feel it is because of money pura because I go out and do so many things and when I do them I I've do them in a way that I'm self-responsible. I'm not doing it to like ask for somebody else's approval. I'm not doing it for, because somebody's telling me I should go for this hike. You do it. And like most of the time it's successful. A lot of times it's a failure too, but you do it and you're like, evaluate like, Hmm, what did I do wrong there? Hmm. I probably shouldn't have taken that goat trail and gotten lost for three hours in the wilderness. That probably wasn't a good idea, especially with no snacks and no water. But next time, Next time I'll get some directions. So that things like that, Manipura, the activities in the outdoors where you are relying upon yourself, it is important. It is a game changer. It doesn't mean it's the only way, but it is a really, it, it's a powerful way. It's helped me a lot, at least. There's other ways. I know Victor was just like, had more of those. Just go, go mountain bike by yourself. Go out on a hike by yourself. Like, like be where you're the only person you can trust is yourself. Then it adds that le level of like, oh, 
I'm going to think for myself. I figure it out myself. And now I have this relationship with myself. What do you think? It's sure. kind of hard. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's a, yeah, learning to, that self-trust and sitting in it. I mean, we're talking about self-awareness exercises. And th- remember, this is all a spectrum. It's just like anything. It, it takes practice. It took you a long time. I always tell people when we're recovering from injuries, it took you a long time to get this way. It's going to take me a little while to fix you. And your self-awareness and your consciousness, where, where that's floating, think about how many times you've run that. You've, it's like being in the ruts, um, these deep. Sometimes we'll go down these trails and the vehicles are all driving the same path. The ruts get deeper and deeper and deeper as to where the vehicles travel. Um, and think about how much practice you've had or the ego has had it protecting you from, you know, from these decisions. And so it's going to, it's going to come at you harder. It gets harder before it gets easier. Uh, but to some end being on this journey for this extended period of time and, and forcing really trying to push myself to growth so that I can help more people overcome some of the same issues that I might have. It's definitely worth it. Okay. I thought I'm going to finish off with, with reading this section of the book sure, that because was I think it's really cool. I think it's, a, I personally think it's like, very, very powerful message. And this is the part in the book where he's having a flashback to when she wants to be a war correspondent. And so she she was leaving him in this to go do a job that he was like, well, I don't understand why you're going to do it. We have everything, yeah. And it's probably like the same. It, I love it so much because it parallels the same thing that when we wanted to live into an RV, move into an RV and travel, when I did, Victor's like, I just don't understand. We have everything in this like big city and house and and all this stuff i don't understand why you want to live such a uh dirt bag life right yeah yeah okay yeah. so she says i want to be a war correspondent and he goes you're mad you don't need to do that you're already doing the work you want to do now you earn good money not that you need that money to live on you have all the contacts you need in the favor bank you have talent and you've earned your colleagues respect all right then let's just say i need to be alone because of me we've built our lives together i love my man and he loves me even though he's not always the most faithful of husbands that's where victor last time turned it off he's like i'm done i'm out she's kidding okay so she goes uh he says you've never said anything about that before because it doesn't matter to me i mean what is fidelity the feeling that i possess a body and a soul that aren't mine do you imagine i haven't been to bed with other men during all these years we've been together I don't care and I don't want to know. Well, neither do I. So what's all this wanting to write about war in some godforsaken part of the world, which is something that you and I talk about all the time when we fight, like, you'll say, like, why why do you want to go do some rock climbing, right? Why do you want to do hiking? Why do you? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and he says, um, or she says, as I need, um, as I said, I just need to. Haven't you got everything you need? I have everything a woman could want. What's wrong with your life then? Precisely that. I have everything, but I'm not happy. And I'm not the only one either. Over the years, I've met and interviewed all kinds of people. The rich, the poor, the powerful, and those who just make do. I've seen the same infinite bitterness in everyone's eyes. A sadness which people weren't always prepared to acknowledge, but which, regardless of what they were telling me, was nevertheless there. 
Are you listening? She asked. Yes, I'm listening. I was just thinking. So according to you, no one is happy? She says, some people appear to be happy, but they simply don't give the matter much thought. Others make plans. I'm going to have a husband, a home, two children, a house in the country. As long as they're busy doing that, they're like bulls looking for the bullfighter. They react instinctively. They blunder on with no idea where the target is. They get their car. Sometimes they even get a Ferrari. And they think that's the meaning of life. And they never question it. Their eyes betray sadness that even they don't know they carry in their soul. She asks, are you happy? Which she says, I don't know. She continues, I don't know if everyone is unhappy. I know they're all busy. Working overtime, worrying about their children, their husband, their career, their degree, what they're going to do tomorrow, what they need to buy, what they need to have in order to not feel inferior. Very few people actually say to me, I'm unhappy. Most say, I'm fine. I've got everything I wanted. Then I ask, well, what makes you happy? And they say, I've got everything a person could possibly want. A family, a home, work, good health. So I ask again, have you ever stopped to wonder if that's all there is to life? And they answer, yes, that's all there is. So I insist. So the meaning of life is work, family, children who will grow up and leave you, a wife or husband who will become more of a friend than a real lover. And of course, one day your work will end too. What will you do when that happens? And their answer is there is no answer. They change the subject. Not... No, what they say is, when the children have grown up, when my husband or my wife has become more of my friend than my passionate lover, when I retire, then I'll have time to, what, to do what I always wanted to do, travel. And they question, but didn't you say you were happy now? Aren't you already doing what you always wanted to do? Then they say, they're busy and they change the subject. If I come up, if I insist, they always come up with something they're lacking. The businessman hasn't closed the deal he wanted. The housewife would like more independence, more money. The boy who's in love is afraid of losing the girl. The new graduate wonders if he could choose his career or if it was chosen for him. The dentist wanted to be a singer. The singer wanted to be a politician. The politician wanted to be a writer. The writer wanted to be a farmer. And even when I did meet somebody who was doing what they had chosen to do, that person's soul was still in torment. He hadn't found peace yet either. So I'll ask you again. Are you happy? And really, go ahead. Yeah. So, so yeah. Well done. Nice, nice read on that. That book. If that resonates with you a little bit, here's one of the challenging things. You can't like in that book. We have personal experience on this, and our, we we help people. You can't flat out like, hey, are you are you happy? Because that that ego defense comes in, right? Well, that's what Victor finds. I straight up when I work with people do say that. Ask them if they're happy. Here's the here's the thing. For some reason. Um, type six is, I end up with mostly type six clients and with loving kindness, I'm sharing this story with my type six clients that are listening. I find this parallel thing that we'll work on like, okay, healing first. It always starts with healing anxiety. That's easy. I can heal anxiety within like a week, but then you get to this next step of like, um, what do you want? And then it's like, it basically unravels in this like, (laughs) request basically for a guarantee safety. It's no different than, than we're talking about when Victor with mountain biking and stuff and RV living this guaranteed safety. And so like, we'll work up to like, all right, so 
So you're happy now. We do these a lot of heart chakra meditations and really feel into this space of like gratitude and oh, I have Self-love. everything I want. Yeah. And then the, only for the next call for them to say like, oh, I'm really worried. And I get to the point like one one person's like, oh, I'm I'm really happy now, but I'm worried that in five years, my husband's not going to want to travel. Or another person's like newly married and she's like, I'm really happy right now, but I'm worried that in 25 years, he's going to leave me. And I'm just like, like, stop, 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 stop. Like why your brain has this amazing ability to project out fear. And the thing is, it's not, it it can be a good safety defense mechanism. It, It can be used, but if you're not aware that your ego is taking control and dictating your happiness, then you're going to always be stuck in that play. And so the solution is to catch like, ha ha, you got me there. You got me. You're, you're projecting out and you have to like, personally, I live my life by, um, a quote that I'm, I mean, it's great. I live my life by it. I can't even like repeat it, but the very first, you know, surfing changed my life, but a lot of things, pregnancy changed my life. I could say a ton of things that changed my life. I'm constantly changing. But there was a moment, the first time we went rock climbing, that I was like, oh, shoot, I like this. I don't know why, but my soul is so happy. And so we became friends with the guy who taught us how to rock climbing. He was the first one who put in my head about living in an RV because he said, oh, him and his wife had lived in a Prius for a year just rock climbing. I remember that moment like, yeah. Shout out Stoneman climbing best guide. And so we go to, he says something like worry because I would consider myself up until then still kind of a worrier. And he goes, I mean, it's still like I read that this is here and I still catch I'm sitting in a new truck. I'm like, fuck, it's not a Ferrari, but damn, I'm still in a new truck. Why do I need that? Why did like, I'll start evaluating myself. Why, 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 why? Anyways, he goes, worry like worry only robs you of your strength tomorrow. And and it's a better quote. I'll find it. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes if I can find it. But it's like, it was that thought process of like, yeah, it's true. If I'm worried about tomorrow, I don't have strength today for what I want today. So I try to really keep myself focused on maximizing my strength today by not worrying. Now, when I do plan, that's because to me, I do put a lot of, uh, energy towards intention. Where do I want to go to tomorrow? And then when I get there tomorrow, not worry, do the thing and then like reflect on, okay, what about the next day? But if you're spent all your energy worrying about, like if it's in your control today, do something about it. If you can change jobs today, do it. But, but don't do it just to become nihilist and, and disconnect from society. Do it because you're on a path to growth, to be able to fully be present in your life and enjoy it more. Anything you want to add to that? No, I think that's a good I think that's a wrap. All right. See you next time.